Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. During our marriage, we have been transferred like four or five times. Can you relate? Because how many of you have ever been transferred? You had to move, you had to pick up and move somewhere, and you are here today because of that, and you get to enjoy that reality. Being transferred was part of our lives as a family. Four times someone told us to move, and they moved us, and once we actually moved ourselves. And when you move, you go to a new house, a new place to live, you're in a new culture, You're in sometimes a different dialect of the English language or some other language. You build new relationships and you build new routines. Transferring is a part of our lives at times. And for us, our kids used to laugh about every time we'd say, hey, you guys, we just need to talk to y'all. They go, oh, we're moving. Where are we going now? Where are we going this time? And some of those moves were significant. I mean, major moves through different parts of the country. We moved from South Florida to Kentucky. We move up where the nice people live. Amen, Kentuckians? Where people smile at you in the grocery store, and you don't even know them, and you really just want to get out of there, and you're kind of wishing you had dressed up to go to the grocery store. I mean, those are the nice people of the South. They're great. We had to get used to that. Ultimately, though, we got to be transferred back to South Florida some 21 years ago back to this place that we had just begun, we'd just begun to love before we moved away, were transferred. And we've settled here. This is our home. Palm Beach County is our home for 21 years in a row now, 27 years total. It's the place where we feel like we belong. I want to talk to you today about another kind of transfer. The title of the message today is Transferred, Delivered from darkness. Paul talks about a spiritual transfer in Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 and 14. He talks about really the most important transfer that has ever happened. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13. Paul is encouraging the believers at Colossae in this letter and he says this, He, God the Father, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and has transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. There's really only two places you can exist spiritually. You either exist in the domain of darkness or in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. There's really only two choices. The domain of darkness is led by the enemy, Satan, and he runs that domain. But the kingdom of Jesus Christ is led by Jesus. It's a totally different place. And in the kingdom of Jesus, you develop different relationships, and yes, different language, and a different purpose, and you report to a different supervisor. You see... If you've received the gift of salvation, if you've recognized your need for Jesus and He's drawn you in to repent of your sin, 
and receive that gift and His Spirit has come into your life, you have been transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And that's possible only because of what we're celebrating today. Today is Resurrection Sunday. I think it's important on Resurrection Sunday to actually consider the resurrection and its implications. So look with me, John chapter 20, beginning in verse 1. John chapter 20, beginning in verse 1. God's Word says this, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. And so she ran, and she went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have taken him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were all going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And incidentally, the other disciple is John himself. That's how he refers to himself. Um, and apparently John was faster than Peter, so uh, if you've if you got good speed, you get to the tomb first, so, you know, congratulations, athletes. Great job, great job, John. You. Fast guy. Um, a you're a speedster. Um, verse 5, and stooping to look in, he saw the linen clothes lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went to the tomb He went into the tomb and he saw the linen clothes lying there and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded up in a place by itself. They come in and they see that the the clothes that they would have wrapped the body, they're they're all folded up and neat. They weren't just scattered like if you could have done a grave robbery. They were just, they were folded neatly and left in place. Verse 8, then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and she wept. She stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. But she did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she said to him in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked with the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his sides. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. I've been to a lot of funerals. 
been to a lot of cemeteries. I've never seen a grave open. Have you? I've never seen that happen. Can you imagine their shock when they realize the grave is open and the body is missing? You know, in reality, there is very little dispute historically by skeptics about this event actually happening. One of the reasons is no one would have made this up and had a woman be the first one to find the empty tomb. You may say, well, why would that be? Why, why aren't, well, because in those days, women didn't have the credibility they have today. And they weren't really a valid witness in court. So you would never construct a lie that had a woman go into the empty tomb first. A lot of people give that a lot of validity and say, you know, that's, that's something that probably happened. No one would make that up. But also the tomb is empty. The tomb is empty. And though the Jewish leaders cooked up a scheme with the Roman guards to say they fell asleep and paid them off, no one ever found a body. No one has ever found the bones of Jesus Christ. He's gone. He's missing. He rose. He he is risen, as we say, and he's risen indeed, right? He is risen. He's risen indeed. He arose. It's a fact. Also, ten of the disciples went to their graves as martyrs for this. Saying, we believe this so much and we're willing to die for it. Now, some people will die for a lie that they believe to be true, but no one dies for a lie they know to be a lie. There been many people who've died for something that wasn't true, that they, they thought was true, but these guys knew the truth. They knew whether Jesus rose or not. They saw him in person. They saw the scars in his hands and his feet. And they knew that he had arisen. Resurrection is a fact. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Breathe that in for just a moment. Whatever pain you're in, whatever suffering, whatever difficulty you're facing, know this, that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And he did it for you. And if you have repented of your sins and responded and received the gift of salvation, you get to benefit from this incredible, the most incredible event in human history. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And you might be thinking, well, okay, Steve, well, what does that mean to me? 2,000 years later in South Florida at First Baptist Delray Beach on Easter Sunday morning. What does that mean to me? How does that really help me? Well, I'm going to give you five things I think really help us to celebrate this incredible day, Resurrection Sunday. The resurrection does five things. The first, it means your sins can be forgiven. Your sins can be forgiven. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but how many of you have sinned in the last week? Thank you, John. Appreciate that. Oh, we got some good people around. Let's all share what our sins are. Let's all stand. I would think that would be really powerful. Go ahead, John. We talked about this Friday night. If you missed Friday night, we talked about specific sin. And if you're wondering, was this a sin? Is this a sin? Well, we didn't name them all, but we named a bunch of them. How would innocence feel? How does innocence feel? You say, well, I thought it was all about the cross, paying for my sin, that all Jesus had to do was die on the cross, and that's really, no, actually, he had to rise from the dead to complete 
the act. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 17, he says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. The two events are connected. Jesus dying on the cross and rising from the dead are connected. They're both needed for you to be forgiven. Dr. Mark Taylor, who I had in seminary, wrote a commentary on 1 Corinthians. He said this, if the gospel preached by the apostles affirms Christ's death for our sins and his resurrection on the third day. But if the latter didn't happen, then there is no reason to suppose that the former is valid. He had to rise to complete the process. And you say, but wait a minute, I need a little more help with that. Put a little more meat on those bones. Consider this. Many, many times, Jesus said, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to be mistreated by the elders and the Jewish leaders, and they're going to beat me, kill me, but on the third day I'm going to rise. He said that many times, one of which is in Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. It says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. In John 10, 17, for this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. Jesus claimed to be able to do this. If he didn't rise, Jesus is a liar. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, he said something that he was going to do that he didn't do. And therefore, his sacrifice on the cross, and understand this, a sacrifice had to be perfect, without blemish, had to be blameless. To be the ultimate sacrifice for sin, Jesus couldn't have sin, he couldn't have fault, and if he lied, he would not have been a valid sacrifice. He said, I'm going to do this, and he did it. I'm going to pay the price, and I'm going to rise completed what he claimed he was going to do. That's why he had to rise from the dead. So if Jesus, the resurrection, we celebrate it because our sins are forgiven. Our sins are forgiven. Second, not only are our sins forgiven, but you could rise as well. If you transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of Jesus Christ, you will rise just like Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, 22 and 23, Paul says this. He says, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, then at, the be- at, the com- at his coming, those who belong to Christ. You see, his resurrection is just the beginning of all kinds of resurrection. He's the first fruits. It's just the beginning. I love John 14, 1. Jesus describing what he's about to do. He says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms, or as many of you were raised, King James, many mansions, many dwelling places, many incredible places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Jesus went to prepare a place for you. 
Uh, the imagery, many of you know this, is, is from the, the betrothal process. And when someone got engaged or betrothed in those days, the man would go prepare a place in his father's house. He would go build out a room, build out a house on his estate. He would prepare a place for the bride, and he would come and get the bride. And they would go and live there forever. That's the picture. Jesus has gone to prepare a place for you. What kind of place would Jesus build? Think about that. What kind of place would Jesus build? The one who the Bible says nothing was created without Him and everything was created through Him. This Creator God who created this earth and its perfection in the garden, it was amazing. He's creating another place for you. For you. Think about that. What is that going to be like? And by the way, you're not going to be playing harps and wearing togas sitting on clouds. Not going to happen. If that's what you were looking forward to, that's not. He's, this is a place you're going to recognize. It'll be earth-like only better with no mosquitoes, no corrosion, no weeds. It's going to be amazing. Revelation 21 says there will be no what? More sorrow, no more pain, no more tears. The former things have passed away. And the one on the throne said, behold, I make all things new. Resurrection means my sins are forgiven and I get to rise as well. But that's not all. Number three, you have purpose that includes his presence. Some people say, well, I follow Jesus. I got saved. Now what do I do? I just do whatever I want and then when I die, I go to heaven, right? Isn't that? No, really. You've got an incredible purpose. You get to share Jesus. You get to help other people be transferred as well. You get to act as a transfer agent, if you will. Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. He's saying, listen, you're my representative. You get to help other people transfer. You get to help other people out of the domain of darkness and come into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. That's your purpose. That's what you get to do. Oh, and by the way, I'm going with you. I'm going with you. I'm not sending you out by yourself with no help at all. I am walking the whole journey with you. Which began really in Pentecost, didn't it? As Jesus poured out His Spirit he promised this in John chapter 16, verse 7. He said, Nevertheless, I tell you, it is for your advantage that I go away. That if I do not go away, the Helper will not come. But if I go, I will send Him to you. Jesus is saying, it's better that I go. Because I'm going to pour out my Spirit. I'm going to pour out a lot of me into you where before it was just limited to me. I'm sending my Spirit to live inside of you. Ephesians 3, 14 through 19, we talked about this a lot this year. Paul prays that they would be strengthened in order to be filled. If Jesus resurrected, sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. You get to rise as well. And you have a purpose that includes the presence of the living God. Fourth, you're part of a body that's closer than family. 
Now, a lot of you have great families, and I see a lot of families here today, and that's amazing. So exciting to see families gather on Resurrection Sunday. But some of you didn't have a great family, and you may say, well, I would really rather have to, like to have something other than my family. Jesus is saying, he said, when someone, one day some people came and they said, oh, your, your mother and your brothers are here. And Jesus said, look around. Those that do my word are my family, my brothers, my mother. He wasn't saying, I don't love my family. I do love my family. He said, there's something that's even closer than family life, and that, that's those who are following Jesus. You see, when Jesus resurrects, you get to be a part of the body, the family of those who are also following him. You shouldn't be alone. You get to develop relationships with people who are also transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Paul says in Ephesians and, uh, 4 and 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12 that the body of Christ is the picture of the church. That there are feet and hands and toes and mouths and then all kinds of different parts of a body. It's like there is a physical body. But the whole body represents Jesus in this world and works together. You see, it's amazing to be a part of a church that works together like that. I'm so grateful for all the things that went into this Sunday morning happening, and all the different pieces of the body working together to make this happen. That's what the body is. It's closer than even your family. Fifth, the resurrection means that you are secure. Some of you may have a challenge with being insecure just in general. You're constantly worried, you're constantly afraid, you're constantly feeling insecure, and you may be afraid, if I come to Jesus, how do I know that I won't someday fall away? How do I know that I won't someday abandon Him? How do I know that I can continue to follow Jesus? I'm concerned about that. And Let me give you some good news. It's not really up to you. It's not really up to you. Jesus said... In John chapter 10, verse 27, it says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. And my Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. You see, Jesus keeps His promises. He rose from the grave, and He has a really strong grip. You know, you're saying today, well, I'm afraid I'm going to fall. Listen, Jesus holds on tight. You don't come to Jesus having just gotten cleaned up. You come to Jesus needing to be cleaned up. And he's the one that holds on. He said, well, you don't know what my life is like. You don't know what I've done. Yeah, but Jesus knows, and he died for that. When he transfers you from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of Jesus, he holds on to you tight, and you don't ever leave that kingdom. Now, let me ask you, have you been transferred? Have you been transferred? When we move to Florida, we still travel. We still go different places, and sometimes we leave the country. 
When we leave the country, we have, to, we have to deal with the rules of that country, right? We have to deal with the customs of that place. And we do that, but we always come home to Florida because this is our home. This is where we live. This is the domain. This is the kingdom that we live in. Now, some of you, you may have traveled away from the kingdom of Jesus. But let me encourage you, you're still a part. You're still a part. Jesus isn't waiting for you to come home so that He can punish you. He's waiting for you to come home so He can embrace you. He loves you that much. He died for that moment when He can embrace you. It's easy to travel and get away from the kingdom of Jesus. But He always wants to bring you home. Some of you may never actually have been a part of the kingdom of Jesus. You never got transferred in. You visited, visited sometimes. You've come to the kingdom. You, you kind of come and then you go back and, and you, you didn't really get transferred in. You, every time that moment came, you were just going, I don't think so. There was something that held you back to say, I don't think I can do that. I don't think I want to do that. I'm afraid to do that. Listen to me. The choice is yours. Jesus won't transfer you against your will, but he does offer you the opportunity. Saying to you, I paid the price to transfer you. All the moving expenses have already been paid. I've already bought your citizenship in my kingdom. It's all ready to go. There is no immigration you have to go through. I paid your way through all the immigration issues. You can come and live in my kingdom. I want to encourage you today. Would you do that? Or is there something that says no? Oh, I urge you. Don't let anything keep you from the kingdom of Jesus Christ. He paid your way in. Today's your day. Today's your day. You say, I don't know if I can live that way. You don't have to worry about that. He has a really strong grip. He's paid your way. You're going to be just fine. I don't know if I can live like all those good people at church. Well, did you see how many hands went up when I said, who sinned this week? And I didn't even let people, and I didn't even point people out. I could have. All these people have issues. Jesus Christ died for all of us. All of us. All of us. Some of you need to come home. Some of you need to be transferred. Would you let Jesus transfer you today? Let's pray. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry out, we cry out